she was asking about like backstory to the Bhagavatam because there's so many conversations in it. Yeah. And so I kind of laid out some of the genealogy of all the people that are involved and blah, blah. And she was sitting there drawing it out. Yeah. And it really helped. Uh, That's pretty cool. Which it might be nice at some point to like, as we get into the Mahabharata, yeah. it'll be, we can speak on that a little bit because I know for a lot of people, yeah, Shara or others that, you know, grew up or even myself, you know, you grow up, you hear about it. Sometimes it can be, you don't necessarily put the connections of the characters together and the significance yeah. of why this person is speaking with this person. And like, anyway, it was. I think those kind of things that we need to have drawn out and put a picture post even. Yeah. And then yeah, people can I, refer to that. And maybe while we're talking, if we're talking about something that kind of connects to that, we can show it on the screen and make like a full screen yeah, part, uh, during no, the video of like, so people can see it. But yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Absolutely. 100%. All right. <clears throat> All right, so uh, we are six. now going to do um, <clears throat> chapter six of. Okay. Oh, well, first of all, hello everyone. Uh, we are back. Hold on. Back again. <laughs> <laughs> um, reading from Beyond Illusion and Doubt. It's Hamsa and Natai. And we will be reading. This is a discussion again between Srila Prabhupada and one of his disciples. Mm -hmm. And they're discussing the. Um, the their understanding of what Thomas Aquinas was preaching or well, the knowledge that he was giving to people mm -hmm. and Prabhupada's opinion on them as based on his studies of the Vedas and uh, how they line up and how they don't line up. <clears throat> so yeah, comparing and one. contrasting different. Uh, so I think you're reading as disciple this time. Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. So I'll let you start the intro too, since right. that always kind of just begins it. Chapter six, Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas, 1225 to 1274, was the leading Christian philosopher of the Middle Ages. He led an austere life as a celibate monk, writing prolifically and teaching widely. Here, Srila Prabhupada explains that while many of his ideas agree with the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita and other Vedic literatures, his claim that God created the universe out of nothing is untenable. Thomas Aquinas compiled the entire church doctrine in Summa Theologiae, which constitutes the official philosophy of the Roman Catholic Church. Aquinas did not make Augustine's sharp distinction between the material and spiritual worlds, or between the secular society and the city of God. For him, both material and spiritual creations have their origins in God. At the same time, he admits that the spiritual world is superior to the material. Real quick, did you listen to that? I think I sent it to you. Uh, Swami. he was talking about Augustine, which we read about in last chapter. Prior, he was saying that prior to Augustine becoming a Christian, yeah. he was part of another like Christian. -ish, I don't think I've heard that one yet. Like offshoot, and they believe that it was the devil that created the world, and that's why. Uh, we're all evil, and we're all just kind of goodness. gross, and you, you know, <coughs> which is where the whole fire and brimstone right. type of philosophy came from, or one of the, yeah, anyway, that was, I thought that was interesting, too. When we speak of material world, we refer to that which is temporary. Some philosophers, like the Mayavadis, claim that the material world is false. The we Vaishnavs prefer to say that it is temporary or illusory. It is a reflection of the spiritual world, 
but in itself it has no reality. We therefore sometimes compare the material world to a mirage in the desert. In the material world there is no happiness, but the transcendental bliss and happiness existing in the spiritual world are reflected here. Foolish people chase after this illusory happiness, forgetting the real happiness that is in spiritual life. Aquinas agreed with these statements of Anselm and Abelard. Quote, I believe in order that I may understand, and I understand in order that I may believe. End quote. Thus reason and revelation complement each other as a means to truth. Since human reason is not perfect, Revelation is also needed. The truth is attained through logic, philosophy, and revelation. According to the Vaishnava tradition, we arrive at the truth through the guru, the spiritual master, who is accepted as the representative of the absolute truth, the personality of Godhead. He transmits the message of the truth because he has seen the absolute truth through the disciplic succession. He being the guru there, I read that a little weird. So mm -hmm. he transmits transmits the message of the truth because he has seen the absolute truth through the disciplic succession. If we accept the bona fide spiritual master and please him by submissive service, by virtue of his mercy and pleasure, we can understand God and the spiritual world by revelation. Therefore, every day we offer our respects to the spiritual master with this prayer. Our, 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 God. <clears throat> Out of practice with reading, apparently. Yeah, I don't know what I was doing with that word. Yasya Yasya Prasadad Bhagavat Prasado Yasya Prasadan Nagati Kutopi Dayan Stubams Tasya Yasya Stri Sandyam Vande Groshri Charanara Vindam. By the mercy of the spiritual master, one receives the benediction of Krishna. Without the grace of the spiritual master, one cannot make any advancement. Therefore, I should always remember and praise the spiritual master, offering respectful obeisances unto his lotus feet at least three times a day. That was from Sri Guruvastaka, uh, verse 8. We can understand God if we please the spiritual master, who carries the Lord's message without speculation. It is seated. Sevon Mukhi Hi Jivadho Svayam eva spurat yadaha, from the Padma Purana. When we engage our senses in the Lord's service, the Lord reveals himself. Which is, the Lord revealing himself is the revelation that they're talking yeah. about. Because that's one thing, <clears throat> you yeah. know, you often hear, I hear, you know, Christian people, they speak of the revelation. And, you know, revelation doesn't only come to someone like Jesus. It can come to anybody, provided your senses are engaged in the Lord's service. When you're surrendering yourself, the revelation, the voice from within, whatever you want to call it, that's, you know, the, yeah. the Lord, you connecting with the Lord. For Aquinas, <clears throat> God is the only single essence that consists of pure form. He felt that matter is only a potential. In order to be real, I'm sorry, he felt that matter is only a potential and, in order to be real, must assume a certain shape or form. In other words, the living entity has to acquire an individual form in order to actualize himself. When matter unites with form, the form gives individuality and personality. So what I take that... Okay. To me, that kind of sounds similar 
to the idea of action potential, right? Yeah. Like if you pull a pendulum up, the potential momentum and kinetic energy is in it, but until it's released, it doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Matter in itself has no form. It is the spirit soul that has form. Matter is a covering for the actual form of the spirit soul. Because the soul has form, matter appears to have form. Matter is like cloth that is cut to fit the body. In the spiritual world, however, everything has form. God and the spirit souls. Aquinas believed that only God and the angels have non-material forms. There is no difference between God's form and God's spiritual self. Both the individual souls and God have form. That is real form. Material form is but a covering for the spiritual body. Aquinas set forth five basic arguments for God's existence. First, God necessarily exists as the first cause. <clears throat> Second, the material world cannot create itself but needs something external or spiritual to create it. Third, because the world exists, there must be a creator. And fourth, since there is a relative perfection in the world, there must be absolute perfection underlying it. And fifth, since the creation has design and purpose, there must be a designer who planned it. And in that lecture, I'll have to send it to you. I think he, uh, Hridayananda Swami is saying, the fact that there are laws of nature that govern everything yeah imply that there's rules behind everything that's created and who is the one that makes those rules that's god yeah and so the laws of nature are god's energy just as the king passes rules on the land and everyone follows them yeah so yeah it's pretty fascinating <clears throat> we also honor these arguments also without a father and mother children cannot be brought into existence Modern philosophers do not consider this strongest argument. According to the Brahma Samhita, everything has a cause, and God is the ultimate cause. Ishvaraha Parama Krishnaha Satchidananda Vigraha Anadhir Adhir Govinda Sarva Karana Karanam Krishna, who is known as Govinda, is the supreme controller. He has an eternal, blissful spiritual body. He is the origin of all. He has no other origin because he is the prime cause of all causes. From Brahma Samhita 5.1 Augustine also states that the relative perfection we find here necessitates an absolute perfection. Yes, the spiritual world is absolute perfection, and this temporary material world is but a reflection of that spiritual world. Whatever perfection we find in this material world is derived from the spiritual world. Janmadhyasya yataha. According to the Vedanta Sutra, whatever is generated comes from the absolute truth. Today, some scientists even admit Aquinas' argument that since nothing can create itself in this material world, something external or spiritual is required for initial creation. Yes. A mountain cannot create anything but a human being can give form to a stone. A mountain may be very large, but it remains a stone, incapable of giving shape to anything. Unlike Plato and Aristotle, Aquinas maintained that God created the universe out of nothing. 
No. The universe is created by God, certainly, but God and his energies are always there. You cannot logically say that the universe was created out of nothing. Aquinas would contend that since the material universe could not have arisen out of God's spiritual nature, it had to be created out of nothing. Material nature is also an energy of God's, as Krishna states in the Bhagavad Gita. Bhumhir apo nalau vayuha kamano budhir evacha ahankara ityamme bina praktir astadaha Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego, all together, these eight constitute my separated material energies. Bhagavad Gita mm. 7.4 All of these energies emanate from God, and therefore they are not unreal. They are considered inferior because they are God's separated material energies. The sound that comes from a tape recorder may sound exactly like the original person's voice. The sound is not the person's voice itself, but it has come from the person. Mm. If one cannot see where the sound is coming from, one may suppose that the person is actually speaking, although that person may be far away. Similarly, the material world is an expansion of the Supreme Lord's energy, and we should not think that it has been brought into existence out of nothing. It has emanated from the Supreme Truth, but it is the inferior, separated energy. The superior energy is found in the spiritual world, which is the world of reality. In any case, we cannot agree that the material world has come from nothing. <clears throat> I mean, that really makes sense because if God is creating, like, Like you said, human shaped yeah, stone. You can exactly. carve a sculpture, you, but you have to have something the human, to carve it the out The human of. can see... Yeah. Okay, I have a vision for how I want the stone to appear. Yeah. They so therefore, God also, I would imagine... Like, to, to, to use that similarity, God has a vision for how the material world should be yeah. and then creates it. So it doesn't come from nothing. It comes from God's vision of how he for wants sure. to... You know. <clears throat> well, Aquinas would say that it was created by God out of nothing. You cannot say that God's energy is nothing. His energy is exhibited and is eternally existing with him. God's energy must be there. If God does not have energy, how can he be God? Natasya karyam karanam cha vidyate natat samas chabyadikas cha drishyate parashya shaktir vividhaiva shruyate svabhavaki jnana bala kriyacha The Supreme Lord has no duty to perform and no one is found to be equal to or greater than him, since everything is done naturally and systematically by his multifarious energies. That's from the Svetas Bhattara Upanishad 6.8. God has multiple energies, and the material energy is but one. Since God is everything, you cannot say that the material universe comes from nothing. His logic is so sound, uh -huh. Espe like, especially in this context. And I love when he brings out the verses. It's like a, it's like a mic drop. <laughs> oh, so I just love knowledge. it. <clears throat> back, that's, you know, when you can pull reference. It's like when you're reading a science journal. 
if you're reading a science journal without any reference material, it's an opinion piece. Yeah. But when you have reference material, yeah. you're showing this is why I believe or I'm s proposing my arguments like this because of this. Yeah. And it just lends a lot of weight to it. Anyway. Like Augustine, Aquinas believed that sin and man are concomitant. Concomitant? I have to look that word up because he used it in one of these other chapters. I don't remember what it means. I think they mean like Based on the context, I'm assuming it means like co they coincide together. Because yeah. of Adam's original sin, all human beings require salvation, which can be obtained only through God's grace. But the individual has to assent by his free will for God's grace to function. Naturally accompanying or associated. Okay. Concomitant. Concomitant. Committant, like committal. So con, committant. Mm. Yeah. Together. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay. We can... Yes. Mean, yeah. We call that ascent bhakti, devotional service. Attaha Sri Krishna namadi na bhavad graiham indriyai sevan mukhi hi jivadhau svayam eva spuratyadaha. The material senses cannot appreciate Krishna's holy name form, qualities, and pastimes. When a conditioned soul is awakened to Krishna consciousness and renders service by using his tongue to chant the Lord's holy name and to taste the remnants of his food, the soul's consciousness becomes purified and gradually Krishna who reveals who he really is. Bhakti is our eternal engagement and when we engage in our eternal activities, we attain salvation or liberation. When we engage in false activities, we are in illusion, maya. Mukti, liberation, means remaining in our constitutional position. In the material world, we engage in many different activities, but they all refer to the material body. In the spiritual world, the spirit engages in the Lord's service, and this is salvation. Aquinas considered sins sins to be both venial and mortal. A venial sin is one that can be pardoned, but a mortal sin cannot. A mortal sin stains the soul. <clears throat> when a living entity disobeys the orders of God, he becomes sinful. He is then put into this material world, and that is his punishment. He either rectifies himself by good association or undergoes transmigration. By taking on one body after another, he is subject to the tribulations of material existence. The soul is not stained, but he can participate in sinful activity. As soon as we are in contact with the material nature, we come under the clutches of the material world. Prakrite kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasta ahankara vimudhatma kartam iti manyate the spirit soul, bewildered by the influence of false ego, thinks himself the doer of activities that are in actuality carried out by the three modes of material nature. Bhagavad Gita 3.27 As soon as the living entity enters the material world, he loses his own power. He is completely under the clutches of material nature. Oil never mixes with water, but it may be carried away by the waves. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's very, uh, yeah, very powerful analogy.
Aquinas felt that the monastic vows of poverty, celibacy, and obedience give a direct path to God. <clears throat> but he did not think that these austerities were meant for the masses of men. He looked on life as a pilgrimage through the world of the senses to the spiritual world of God, from imperfection to perfection. And the monastic vows are meant to help us on this path. Yes, according to the Vedic instructions, we must take the path of tapasya, voluntary self-denial. Tapasa brahmacharyena, tapasya, or austerity, begins with brahmacharya celibacy. We must first learn to control the sex urge. That is the beginning of tapasya. We must control the senses and the mind, and then we should give everything that we have to the Lord's service. By following the path of truth and remaining clean, we can practice yoga. In this way, it is possible to advance toward the spiritual kingdom. All of this can be realized. However, by engaging in devotional service, all of this can be realized, however, by engaging in devotional service. If we become devotees of Krishna, we automatically attain the benefits of austerities without having to make a separate effort. By one stroke, devotional service, we can acquire the benefits of all the other processes. Mm. Damn. Aquinas did not believe in a soul, per se, as being divorced from a particular form. God did not create a soul capable of inhabiting any body or form. Rather, he created an angelic soul, a human soul, and an animal soul, or a plant soul. Here again, we find the conception of the soul's creation. The soul is not created, but is eternally existing along with God. The soul has the independence to turn from God, in which case he becomes like a spark falling from a great fire. When the spark is separated, it loses its illumination. In any case, the individual soul is always there. The master and his servants are there eternally. We cannot say that the parts of a body are separately created. As soon as the body is present, all the parts are there with it. The soul is never created, and it never dies. This is confirmed in the very beginning of the Bhagavad Gita. Najayate miriyati va karachin nayam bhutva bhavita va nabhuyaha for the soul, there is neither birth nor death at any time. He has not come into being, does not come into being, and will not come into being. He is unborn, eternal, ever-existing, and primeval. He is not slain when the body is slain. <coughs> Bhagavad Gita 2.20 It may appear that the soul comes into existence and dies, but this is because he has accepted the material body. When the soul is liberated, he does not have to accept another material body. He can return home, back to Godhead, in his original spiritual body. The soul was never created, but it is always existing with God. If we say that the soul was created, the question may be raised whether or not God, the supreme soul, was also created. Of course, this is not the case. God is eternal, and his parts and parcels are also eternal. The difference is that God never accepts a material body, whereas the individual soul, being but a small particle, sometimes succumbs to the material energy. Is the soul eternally existing with God in a spiritual form? Yes. So the soul has a form that is incorruptible, 
then what kind of a form is the material body? <clears throat> the material body is an imitation. It is false because the spiritual body has form. The material body, which is a coating, takes on form. As I have already explained, a cloth originally has no form, but a tailor can cut the cloth to fit a form. In actuality, this material form is illusory. Matter originally has no form. It takes on form for a while as a body, and when the body becomes old and useless, the matter returns to its original position. In the Bhagavad Gita, the body is compared to a machine. The soul has his own form of spirit, but he is given a machine made of matter, the body, which he uses to wander throughout the universe, attempting to enjoy himself. Well, that's interesting, because my dad and I were talking the other day, <coughs> and he gave... So this question that the disciple asked, the soul has a form that is incorruptible, then what kind of form is the material body? And then he says the material body is an imitation. So you know that pastime where Krishna eats, little Krishna eats dirt, mm -hmm. and then Mother Yasoda is like, hey, or Balaram, his brother, goes and tells their mom, hey, Krishna's eating dirt. Mm -hmm. And then she says, open your mouth so I can see if you're eating dirt. Don't lie to me. He opens his mouth, and when he opens his mouth, Mother Yasoda sees the entire creation yeah. all within his mouth. <clears throat> and my dad said, one of the realizations he had is, and I think maybe I've mentioned my own kind of example that I was kind of using to, uh, like, I guess, get stuff in a way in my head that I can, like, understand it. So, like, I was, I was kind of thinking, you know, let's say you're in the spiritual world. And it's, you know, basically the material world, the way I take it is like a daydream. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you're going, you're, you're bending over, drinking water from the river, and you kind of, you know, space out, and you start thinking these things, right? And so you kind of, just like when you daydream, you zone yeah. out. However, in that daydream, you know, you're experiencing all of these things without Krishna. Yeah. And then when you snap <coughs> out of it, you're like, Oh my God, yeah. like what was that? Or, and then my dad shared something similar you know, with me. He's like, you know, imagine you're eating, just like the pastime with Mother Yasoda, you, you're eating lunch with Krishna, and Krishna's like, hey, look at this ladu here. Yeah. And as he's handing it to you, you're looking at it, but instead of the ladu, you're seeing the material world, your existence, and all of the existences that you would undertake. Yeah through all the births and all the choices and everything all in, and you're having to see it. So like you're experiencing it, but you're not really experiencing yeah. it. It's, it's something Krishna is showing you, but because obviously you're now, anyway, it's kind yeah. of fascinating. So like, because time is not governing the spiritual world, we think, oh, it's gonna take forever to go back, but really, no time will have passed uh -huh. when you kind of <coughs> snap out of it. It also explains that unnecessary argument that people like to have about whether or not we can fall from uh, the spiritual world. Oh, that's another good question. Because, because if you're not physically falling, then both are true. You're witnessing, yes, like well, you're saying, you're witnessing like <coughs> in a daydream, like you're experiencing it all, it's very real, it's kind of like a dream, but then 
you're not actually your spiritual body is still eternally with God, like what he just said. Yeah. So, so Prabhupada talks about afterwards. that in in many places, and uh, so there's two there's two types of living entities. Yeah. The Nitya Bada and the yeah. Nitya Siddha. Yeah. The Nitya Siddha. Correct me, God, if I'm wrong. I believe the Nitya Siddha means that refers to the living entity that is never bewildered by God's energy. Because what is Siddhartha They mean? come from the spiritual world by choice to help yeah. people, like someone yeah. like Jesus, someone like, yeah. you know, any of the Acharyas. Uh-huh. They come in and from, you know, Prabhupada, you, like I'm reading his, his life story to Shruti, yeah. and like from the time he was a little kid, he was like a rock-solid spiritual you know, yeah. spiritually charged individual. And then the Nityabada is the living entity that through our own free will makes the choice to experience the material world. Mm-hmm. And so the Nityabada, we come we we become entangled in the material world and we become caught up in karma, we become caught up due to our own decision, not not yeah. because we're being we're being, you know, he says we're being punished, but it's not like God is punishing us because he's mad that we wanted to be away from him. We're actually being punished by ourselves. Yeah. And then, so the Nitya Siddhas, we they do come down. We chose to come and do that. Yeah, and often... It's like if and you often, choose to go out drinking and you wake up with a hangover. Like, yeah, it's like you made that choice. Nobody, the bartender yeah. didn't poison you. Yeah, you, you did made it. the choice yeah. to go out there and do that, and now you are dealing with the repercussions of that action. Yeah. There's opposite and equal reactions. It's not that you're, you know, yeah, magically being picked we are on by responsible. some greater entity. And <clears throat> the... So, you know, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, once you have come back to my abode, you will never again come back to yeah. the material world. <clears throat> However, caveat, when you do go back, yeah. you have now experienced the material world. So just like yeah. someone who has like if you're a nurse and you had cancer and you fought cancer and you understood everything that went along with it and now you become a nurse and you're or you you become an oncology nurse you're going to be able to care for the patients that much better because you understand what they've been through Mm -hmm. and so when we do come back and we do you know realize those things you know if we are to return to the material world, yeah. it would be of our own choice because we want to, hey, oh man, uh, Krishna's going down or one of these great devotees is going down there. I want to yeah. go down there and help them. Yeah. So you're coming back, but now it's on a mission trip. Yeah. It's not, you're not going to get caught up again in the material world. And I know sometimes that can be confusing. Shara has asked me about that before. Like, well, if you go up there, what, what if you do fall down? The thing is, once you've experienced everything in the material world and everything that there is to be offered separate from Krishna. When you reach the stage well, of being able to go back to Godhead. To leave it all behind. Exactly. That means you decided exactly. you didn't like you, it that you, much. You've, 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 decided you've you're done totally with it. blown yeah, through every option and you're done. <clears throat> yeah. You're so, the, yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Um. Uh, <clears throat> Aquinas considered that sex is meant exclusively for the begetting of children and that the parents are responsible for giving their children a spiritual education. That is also the Vedic injunction. You should not beget children unless you can liberate them from the cycle of birth and death. 
Guru Narsar Sviat Svajano Nasa Syat. Pita Nasa Syaj Janani Nasa Syat. Devam Natat Syanapatischa Sa Syan. Namachayet Yaha Samupeta Mrityam. Trying to pronounce the way these things are accentuated yeah, correctly, no, so I'm not doing it in a very good rhythm. But I'm trying to like work on that's my pronunciation fine. before I worry about the rhythm too much. Because I mean, you can. I mean, they they're written in a meter yeah. that can flow, but you can also say it like yeah. you're speaking. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. for learning to pronounce it properly, yeah. it's actually helped me when I realized some of the songs we sing, the way that they accentuate and make you hold certain vowels or consonants longer than they you would normally by putting symbols near it. It actually you, flows. It makes it flow properly yeah. as opposed to just choosing which one to hold on yeah, to. Yeah. It's actually somebody's changing the word entirely yep. when you do that. So it's good yeah, to try no, to learn does. how to do that correctly. One who cannot deliver his, in, his dependence from the path of repeated birth and death should never become a spiritual master, a father, a husband, a mother, or a worshipable demigod. Srimad Bhagavatam 5518. <clears throat> Damn, Man, that's intense. heavy. <laughs> yeah, that's <an> intense one. <laughs> Aquinas argued that sex for reasons other than propagation is repugnant of the good of nature, which is the conservation of the species. The conservation of the species doesn't enter into it. Illicit sex is sinful because it is for the sense gratification instead of for begetting children. Mm. Sense gratification in any form is sinful. Mm. Concerning the state. And again, like... Sense gratification in any form is sinful. Not that you're going to burn in hell for it, but that... It incurs a reaction. It incurs a reaction, karmically. Yeah. That's going to just keep you there. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if you want to keep enjoying it, do it. But yeah. that also comes you're along with the headaches. You're not getting out of the cycle. Yeah. yeah. It comes along with the headaches. You're going to keep drinking, and then you're going to keep getting yeah. the headaches. Yeah. Concerning the state, Aquinas, like Plato, believed in an enlightened monarchy. But in certain cases, he felt it unnecessary for man to obey human laws if they are opposed to human welfare and are instruments of violence. Makes sense. Yes. <laughs> but first of all, we must know what our welfare is. Unfortunately, as materialistic education advances, we are missing the aim of life. Life's aim is declared openly in the Vedanta Sutra. Atato Brahma Jignas. Life is meant for understanding the absolute truth. Vedic civilization is based on this principle, but modern civilization has deviated and is devoting itself to that which cannot possibly relieve us from the tribulations of birth, old age, disease, and death. So-called scientific advancement has not solved life's real problems. Although we are eternal, we are presently subject, subjected to birth and death. In this age of quarrel, Kali Yuga, people are slow to learn about self-realization. People create their own way of life, and they are unfortunate and disturbed. <clears throat> Aquinas concludes that if the laws of God and man conflict, that we should obey the laws of God. Yes, we can also obey the man who obeys the laws of God. It is useless to obey an imperfect person. That is the blind following the blind. If the leader does not follow the instructions of the supreme controller, he is necessarily blind, and he cannot lead. Why should we risk our lives by following blind men who believe that they are knowledgeable but are not? We should instead decide to take lessons from the supreme person, Krishna, who knows everything perfectly. Krishna knows past, present, and future, and what is for our benefit. For Aquinas, all earthly powers exist only by God's permission. 
Since the church is God's emissary on earth, the church should control secular power as well. He felt that secular rules should remain subservient to the church, which should be able to excommunicate a monarch and dethrone him. World activities <coughs> should be regulated so that God is the ultimate goal of understanding. Although the church or the brahmanas may not directly carry out administrative activities, the government should function under their supervision and instructions. That is the Vedic system. The administrators, the kshatriyas, used to take instructions from the brahmanas who could deliver a spiritual message. It is mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita 4.1 that millions of years ago Krishna instructed the sun god in the yoga of the Bhagavad Gita. The sun god is the origin of the kshatriyas. If the king follows the instructions of the Vedas or other scriptures through the brahmanas or through a bona fide church, he is not only a king but a saintly person as well, a rajarsi. Rajarsi. Rajarsi, yeah. The kshatriyas should follow the orders of the brahmanas and the vaishyas should follow the orders of the kshatriyas. The shudras should follow the instructions of the three superior orders. Yeah, see, the, God, the Vedic system, if you take out the element of humanity that brings corruption, which in Kali Yuga is hard to do, but see, this system worked yeah. Because everyone understood their place in society. And yeah. there was no, like, the people were more selfless. Yeah. The kings weren't in it so that they could just lord it over people. They understood, like, it's our job to take care of the people. The, the Brahmanas, Brahmanas are like the board of the board of directors. Exactly. The, the, king, the, CEO, well, the, the, the king's administers, the king, the right? The king, the officers yeah. of the company. And you, the people beneath them, the supervisors, exactly. they have to listen to what they're saying. Exactly. They don't and, then, and then the people working down and in the warehouse yeah, they have, have to listen to, to the superiors. Hey, we have these orders yeah. that need to be filled, and this is what and we're And when the CEO is not doing well or mistreating yeah. people or exactly. the whole the company, company to fail, suffers from it, then the board of directors kicks them out and gets a new CEO. Exactly. So that's yeah. the same thing with the Brahmanas. Yeah. Like the, this people that kind of But oversee. then the problem in Kali Yuga is the Brahmanas have been corrupted. Yeah. And so now the Brahmanas, it's and you problem. see that, right? In the early Middle Ages, it was like that, right? And then slowly, slowly, the yeah. church became corrupted. The, you know, now they're giving advice to the kings, not for the king's benefit and the people's benefit, but for their yeah. own personal benefit. Yeah. They're in, using their influence on the king. Politically, Politically, and, and then it all just goes downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah. Concerning the beauty of God, Aquinas writes... Quote, God is beautiful in himself and not in relation to some limited terminus. It is clear that the beauty of all things is derived from the divine beauty. God wishes to multiply his own beauty as far as possible, that is to say, by the communication of his likeness. Indeed, all things are made in order to imitate divine beauty in some fashion. End quote. Yes, God is the reservoir of all knowledge, beauty, strength, fame, renunciation, and wealth. God is the reservoir of everything, and therefore whatever we see that is beautiful emanates from a very minute part of God's beauty. This Krishna declares in the Bhagavad Gita, yad yad vibhutimat sattvam shrimad urjitam evava tat tad eva vagacha tvam mama tejo msa sambhavam. 
Know that all opulent, beautiful, and glorious creations spring from but a spark of my splendor. <clears throat> Concerning the relationship between theology and philosophy, <clears throat> excuse me, Aquinas writes, quote, As sacred doctrine is based on the light of faith, so is philosophy founded on the natural light of reason. If any point among the statements of the philosophers is found contrary to faith, this is not philosophy, but rather an abuse of philosophy, resulting from a defect in reasoning. End quote. Damn. Yes, <clears throat> that is correct. Because of material conditioned life, every man is defective. The philosophy of defective people cannot help society. Perfect philosophy comes from one who is in contact with the supreme personality of Godhead, and such philosophy is beneficial. Speculative philosophers base their beliefs on imagination. Aquinas concluded that divine revelation is absolutely necessary because very few men can arrive at the truth through the philosophical method. It is a path full of errors, and the journey takes a long time. Yes, that is a fact. We should directly contact the Supreme Person, Krishna, who has complete knowledge. We should understand his instructions and try to follow them. <clears throat> Aquinas believes that the author of sacred scripture can be only God himself, who can not only adjust words to their meaning, oh, who can not only, quote, adjust words to their meaning, which even man can do, but also adjust things in themselves, end quote. Also, scriptures are not restricted to one meaning. In this, Aquinas seems to differ from the official Catholic doctrine, which admits only the Pope's interpretation. For him, the scripture may contain many meanings according to our degree of realization. The meaning is one, but if we are not realized, we may interpret many meanings. We present the Bhagavad Gita as it is, without interpretation or motive. We cannot change the words of God. Unfortunately, many interpreters of scripture have spoiled the God-consciousness of society. For example, <clears throat> it is stated in both the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita that God created the universe, and that is a fact. One may conjecture that God created the universe out of some chunk or whatever, but we should not interpret scripture in this way. In the Gita, we find that Lord Krishna states, Aham sarvasya prabhavo mataha sarvam parvartate. Parvartate. No, pravartate. Mm -hmm. I am the source of all spiritual and material worlds. Everything emanates from me. Bhagavad Gita 10.8. If it is a fact that everything is an emanation of God's energy, why should we accept a second meaning or interpretation? What is the possible second meaning? Well, in the Bible it is stated that after creating the universe, God walked through paradise in the afternoon. Aquinas would consider this to have an interior or metaphorical meaning. If God can create, he can also walk, speak, touch, and see. If God is a person, why is a second meaning necessary? What could it possibly be? Impersonal speculation. If God is the creator of all things, he must be a person. Things appear to come from secondary causes, but actually everything is created by the Supreme Creator. Aquinas seems to have encouraged individual interpretation. 
He writes, quote, It belongs to the dignity of divine scripture to contain many meanings in one text, so that it may be appropriate to the various understandings of men for each man to marvel at the fact that he can find the truth that he has conceived in his own mind expressed in divine scripture. End quote. No. If one's mind is perfect, he may give a meaning, but according to our conviction, if one is perfect, why should he try to change the words of God? And if one is imperfect, what is the value of this change? <laughs> I hope I was just... <laughs> yeah, Aquinas doesn't say change. Interpretation means change. If man is imperfect, how can he change the words of God? If the words can be changed, they are not perfect. So there will be doubt whether the words were spoken by God or by an imperfect person. Oh, I was going to say, why don't you grab your phone and look up the, defi the actual definition of change and the actual definition <coughs> of inter interpretation. <clears throat> My phone's over there. You have an ex explanation or way of explaining this a, is for the action of explaining the meaning of something, interpretation, mm -hmm. a stylistic representation of a creative work or dramatic role. Um, yeah, I mean, it's basically the idea that you're taking a cre you're doing something creative with it, like you're you're having you're to explain it You're taking source material and you're putting your own the spin words. on it. You're, you're changing the words to try to explain it, quote-unquote, maybe better or more directly. Yeah. But if we are to assume that this is coming from, which otherwise there's no point, that it's coming from a perfect entity who created everyone and all this, then why would you, why, you don't, then the words chosen are correct. There's no he need chose to interpret. Yeah, God yeah. chose every word. You don't need to adjust it. Specifically. <clears throat> right. Because he wanted to generate... Whatever that message. word meant. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Like yeah. That's, that's the key. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I like to do that because some, some words, even a common word like that, like interpretation, like you know what it means, but like sometimes really getting into the, I like when Hridayananda Swami does that, gives yeah. the actual definition of a word because then you can really like yeah. see, you know, how it fit. Anyway, I like it. Okay. Interpret, uh, okay, I'm sorry, you read that. The many different Protestant faiths resulted from such individual interpretation. It's surprising to find this viewpoint in Aquinas. And their interpretation uh -huh. causes people to argue because you're not perfect and you're yeah. saying this and then, then you end up fighting over, yeah. Yeah. As soon as you interpret or change the scripture, the scripture loses its authority. Then another man will come and interpret things in his own way. Another will come and then another. And in this way, the original purport of the scripture is lost. Dun, 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 dun. <clears throat> Aquinas believed that it is not possible to see God in this life. He writes, quote, God cannot be seen in his essence by one who is merely man, except he be separated from this mortal life. The divine essence cannot be known through the nature of material things, end quote. What does he mean by divine essence? For us, God's divine essence is personal. When one cannot conceive of the personality of Godhead, he sees the impersonal feature everywhere. When one advances further, he sees God as the Paramatma. 
within his heart. That is the result of yoga meditation. Finally, if one is truly advanced, he can see God face to face. When Krishna came, people saw him face to face. Christians accept Christ as the Son of God, and when he came, people saw him face to face. Does Aquinas think that Christ is not the divine essence of God? For a Christian, Christ must be the divine essence. And didn't many people see him? Then how can Aquinas say that God cannot be seen? It's difficult to tell whether Aquinas is basically impersonalist or personalist. That means he is speculating. <laughs> he writes about the personal feature in this way. Quote, Because God's nature has all perfection, and thus every kind of perfection should be attributed to him, it is fitting to use the word person to speak of God. Yet when used of God, it is not used exactly as it is of creatures, but in a higher sense. Certainly the dignity of divine nature surpasses every nature, and thus it is entirely suitable to speak of God as a person. End quote. Aquinas, Aquinas is no more specific than this. Christ is accepted as the Son of God, and if the Son can be seen, why can't the Father be seen? If Christ is the Son of God, who is God? In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Aham, aham sarvasya prabhavaha, everything is emanating from me. <clears throat> Christ says that he is the Son of God, and this means that he emanates from God. Just like they say, hey, get out, hey, can you move? Your mama and daddy weren't glass makers, you know, people yeah, can see yeah, through you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you came from someone who can also be seen. Yeah. Just as he has his personality, God also has his personality. Therefore, we refer to Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead. Yeah, they don't say supreme impersonal. Uh, impersonality. Yeah, impersonality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the supreme personality. <clears throat> Concerning God's name, I think where Aquinas was struggling with, and this is one of the things that, like it's very clear to me when reading the New Testament, that ultimately Jesus was a bhakti yogi. Yeah. He was teaching the art of the yoga of love. Yeah, for sure. However, he did it in a way, and I think, you know, again, like in the Vedic scriptures, it says, based on time, place, and circumstance, God himself or God's representatives come down to deliver the message in a way that society at that time and place yeah. are able to understand it. And at that time, you know, they, the re, just like Buddha came to teach, Buddha's an incarnation of Krishna, and yeah. he came to teach impersonalism. But why? Well, because people were using the regulations in the Vedic scriptures for, for improper, improper activities, yeah. you know, to, to kill animals and to commit all these things, and they were using just like they were doing in biblical times. Yeah. And so he came because he's like, well, if I, if I can at least teach them nonviolence, then they, they can make progress. Jesus came to spread love, not to focus on describing God's personal nature yeah. and, and qualities. And I assume that, you know, when he tells his disciples, I have more to teach you, but... yeah. You know, you're not ready yet. Well, like, like I said in the so past, he, it's like he's, when your, he's, your parents don't the give the same instructions work. to the two-year-old exactly. that they do to the 15 or 16 or 17 or 18-year-old still yeah. in the house. Like, 
as you progress through understanding of life, you get given different instructions. Yeah. And they explain more about life to you. They give you more direct answers maybe as you get a little older. Yeah. It just depends. But, like, you know, there's no reason why there's only one message that would ever be sent and there's only ever one instruction that won't be given. Like, there's time, place, and circumstance. Yeah. It matters in this world, and therefore, because it's a reflection of that world, it must also matter in the spiritual world. And therefore, the Supreme Being, who is from the spiritual world, who is the creator of all things, would also understand time, place, and circumstance. Yeah. Although, you know, can say that time is a material aspect, but he understands where you are at and is therefore yeah. providing a message that you that is or relatable the overall to... nation that you live in or whatever yeah. can understand and grasp at this moment in time. Yeah, and I He's think, I think where people like, like you know, do this thing, stand on one leg for a thousand years and you'll be fine. Nobody's going to do that. In yeah. the time. That wouldn't have been an appropriate message to bring down. Yeah, I think time. where Aquinas and some of these <laughs> other philosophers, like they're, they have the right idea. Like they share the, this, it's very clear that they share the same philosophical, yeah. for the most part, understanding of that, that, that coincides with Vedic teachings. But where they, where they're, I think where they fall short is the Bible doesn't describe God's personal activities. It doesn't describe, you never hear what does God look like? What does he sound yeah. like? How does he relate with his friends and loved ones? Because if we are all going back up to the kingdom of God, that would imply that when we go up there, we're going to be friends and loved ones yeah. of God. Yeah. So, you know, why can we not hear about those activities? When yeah. you hear about those activities, it gives something for your mind to think about yeah. and to meditate on. And I think that's where some people may find some some of the other religions not like it doesn't have the depth necessarily that they may want yeah and some people don't even realize it but they just feel unsatisfied yeah and in my personal case you know i fully believe in jesus i fully you know believe in muhammad and buddha and all the yeah. they're they're elevated teachers coming to spread the the message of god however to me i choose you know i not like i'm it's not like this is right and the other people are wrong. I just find that this gives me a more in-depth explanation yeah. to my own nature as a soul and my relationship with others and my relationship with God. It answers all, more all of the questions. questions. Yeah. It answers all the questions I've ever had. <clears throat> yeah. And the more I read, sometimes it answers questions I didn't even know that I had. And I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. Like, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's because... We, because our acharyas focus on describing the personal qualities, the forms, the pastimes of the Supreme Lord Himself. Yeah. And by hearing stories about someone, if I just describe to you my dad, you've never met him, and all you hear about is my dad said this, my dad said that, but I don't tell you what he looks like, I don't tell you different little fun stories here and there, you just you're going to have no idea what he looks like or how to well, relate to no him. There's no personal anything. connection. Yeah. yeah. There's no personal connection. It doesn't work. Yeah. Not, not in a full aspect. One of God's attributes is being. Similarly, when one of his attributes, one of his attributes is also attraction. God attracts everything. The word Krishna means all attractive. What then is wrong with addressing God as Krishna? Because Krishna is the enjoyer of Radharani. His name is Radhika Raman. Because he exists, he is called the Supreme Being. In one sense, God has no name, 
but in another sense, he has millions of names according to his activities and attributes. Aquinas maintains that although the names apply to God to signify one reality, they are not synonymous because they signify that reality under, di under diverse aspects. God's names are there because he has different features and activities. But Aquinas asserts that no name belongs to God in the same sense that it belongs to creatures. The names of creatures are also derived from God. For instance, God appeared as the Boar Incarnation, and therefore a devotee may, may be named Varahadas, which means servant of God in his Boar Incarnation. This name is not created, it refers to the activities of God. Aquinas believed that names of God that imply relation to creatures are predicated of God temporarily. Aquinas believes that names of God that imply re relation to creatures are predicated of God temporarily. He writes, quote, Though God is prior to the creature, still, because the significance of Lord includes the idea of a servant and vice versa, these two relative terms, Lord and servant, are simultaneous by nature. Hence, God was not Lord until he had a creature subject to himself, and thus names which import relation to creatures are implied to God temporarily, and not from eternity, since God is outside the whole order of creation. End quote. God is always existing as the Lord, and his servants are existing everlastingly with him. How can he be the Lord without a servant? How can it be that God has no servants? Well, the contention is that creatures were created at one point in time, and before that, God must have been by himself. That is a material idea. It is the material world that is created, not the spiritual world. The spiritual world and God are existing everlastingly. The bodies of creatures in this material world are created, but God is always in the spiritual world with countless servants. According to our philosophy, there is no limit to the number of living entities to the number of living entities. Those who do not like to serve are put into this material world. As far as our identity as servants is concerned, that is eternal, whether we are in the material world or the spiritual world. If we do not serve God in the spiritual world, we come down into the material world to serve the illusory energy of God. In any case, God is always the master, and the living entity is always the servant. Aquinas felt that the less determinate God's name is, the more universal and absolute it is. He therefore believed that the most proper name for God is He Who Is. Why? If God is active and has created the entire universe, what is wrong in addressing Him according to His activities and attributes? Aquinas claims that the very essence of God is the sheer fact of His being, the fact that He is. He is, certainly. But he is means that he is existing in his abode with his servants, playmates, hobbies, and paraphernalia. Everything is there. We must ask, what is the meaning or nature of his being? It seems Aquinas was basically an impersonalist. No, he could not determine whether God is personal or impersonal. His inclination was to serve God as a person, but he had no clear conception of his personality. Therefore, he speculated. Do the Vedas have anything like he who is? Om Tat Sat is impersonal. This mantra, however, can also be extended as Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. The word Vasudeva, 
means one who lives everywhere mm -hmm. and refers to Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. God is both personal and impersonal, but the impersonal feature is secondary. According to the Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, according to Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, in the Bhagavad Gita, Brahmano hi pratishtaham amritasyavyasyacha Oh, we read. Did we try to read? It? I feel like this is a word I've seen before, and it's really hard to pronounce. Amritasya vyayasya cha, sasvatasya chardanamasya sukashyaikantikasya cha, and I am the basis of the impersonal Brahman, which is immortal, imperishable, and eternal, and is the constitutional position of ultimate happiness. What is the purport to that? Devotee reading. Quote, the constitution of Brahman is immortality, imperishability, eternity, and happiness. Brahman is the beginning of transcendental realization. Paramatma, the supersoul, is the middle, the second stage in transcendental realization. And the supreme personality of Godhead is the ultimate realization of the absolute truth. That is divine essence. End of chapter 6. Damn. <clears throat> And I think we're about to hit an hour on our recording, so yeah. we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you guys very Ooh. much. We'll see you next was, week. Don't forget to hit like, subscribe, yep. share, and um, yeah, we'll see you on the next That's episode. That's probably got to be one of my favorite chapters in this book. It's a good chapter. It goes it into is, a lot of detail. It's a little long, but it, yeah, it's... And I, uh, I also like Aquinas's... I feel like a lot of Christian people, that at least that I interact with, don't necessarily read some of the, the theology yeah. and philosophers like Aquinas. And so they're, because he, he, the way he goes into God and the nature of the soul, like it's very, it actually answers a lot of questions that Christian people would have. And yeah. like if, if, if Christian people or whatever religion, if, if you would actually do more, or Hare Krishnas, whatever, the answers are there if you look. And that's where having a guru... I think this is another thing where people in other religions may tend to struggle. Like, you know, I'll hear... I, one of my coworkers has a very good pastor at their church. She's like, I love him. You know, he, uh, he really speaks to me. And like, so that's like the guru. That's the yeah. role of the guru. You have a good <clears throat> pastor. If you have a good guru, yeah. then they do sufficiently fill the, the answer the questions and they fill that void that you're feeling yeah but when you don't have that guru then that's when you feel lost and if you're left to your own devices and you're reading but you're not having some authority figure that you can go and ask the questions to that has they themselves have their own complete understanding of everything then when you're not able, due to your own little machinations you're yeah. not able to come to the answer then you become you know some people may become dissatisfied and they're you know well it doesn't all make sense so therefore I'm going to throw all of it out and I'm yeah. just going to kind of not you know so it's very important regardless of whatever religion or spiritual path you're on you need to find someone to instruct you to be you know an expert yeah 
because you're not going to be an expert yourself if you don't learn from another expert. We already live by that anyway. We're just taking the spirituality out of it. You yeah. go to school to learn. Exactly. You be go, a doctor, the, be a lawyer. You can't just... you how to do your job. There's a yeah. trainer. Like, you, we, we don't expect in any other part of life to just magically know how to do things. Yeah, but then somehow in spirituality, we... It becomes very much like that. Yeah. Or where you can spend very, very little time and somehow understand it all. Yeah, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. qualified to argue gonna be... with people and yeah. get into it and, and doom people to hell for eternity in your mind because of the maybe couple of hours in your entire life that you spent studying adhering to studying yeah, something. Yeah, and I mean, sure. that includes every single person of any kind of spiritual path. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. We all do it. And that's why you and I are reading and doing this, because we want to understand more yeah. and learn more and broaden our own understanding and realizations and revelations. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way to do that is to read and take Study. in information yeah, and discuss with more learned people and that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. Cool. Glad we can do this together. Great. Adios. Peace.